You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. And I invite you guys to come on up here. There you go. Um, So let me first introduce you my friend Nate Twitchell, uh, who's a friend of our families from Pittsburgh. Um, He and his wife Erica started Agape Year uh, about the same year that we moved down here. Uh, So they were just getting their ministry started as we moved down here to be with you folks. Um, but I'll let Nate say a little bit more about what Agape Year is and, um, and what these folks have been doing over this past year, both in Pittsburgh as well as around the world in Thailand. Thank you very much. It's, it's truly an honor and a privilege to get to be here uh, with you all this morning. Uh, we bring you greetings from the saints in Pittsburgh and in Thailand. Um, so Agape Year is an uh, eight-month-long missional gap year for recent high school graduates. Uh, so um, you think about these key transition times in our lives, uh, and one of the big transition times for young people is the transition from uh, their parents' home to either college or work or whatever comes after high school. Uh, It's also a key time in their faith, that transition from a faith that has been hopefully passed down by parents, but taken on uh, 
in themselves, taken on as a faith of their own. So Agape Year seeks to be a place uh, where young people can come and serve uh, and grow in their faith and have that opportunity to, to wrestle with the, the hard questions uh, and realities of, uh, of faith as an adult as they make that transition from uh, faith of a child to, to faith of an adult. Uh, so my wife and I are missionaries with SAMS, the Society of Anglican Missionaries and Senders, uh, and we are sent by you. Uh, it is uh, an amazing privilege to get to do ministry in your name. Uh, my wife uh, could not be with us today. She's uh, back in Pittsburgh with uh, our four kids. Uh, we have uh, Henry, who is six, uh, Annie, who is three, and we have twin uh, 11-month-old boys, George and Jack. Uh, and uh, all of them uh, wish that they could be here with you. Uh, they enjoy traveling and, and meeting folks, uh, but sadly uh, had to stay home. Um, one of uh, the, the great privileges that we have is getting to see the family of God uh, in all of its uh, many facets. Uh, so we, are, uh, we, we spend the, the first four months of our year serving in Pittsburgh. Uh, we serve with a number of uh, ministries around the city. Uh, these young men have been uh, teaching uh, English as a second language uh, to university students uh, and their families uh, in Pittsburgh. So the, the neighborhood that our, uh, that our church, our, our sending church uh, is in, uh, is surrounded by uh, universities. Uh, and students are coming from all over the world uh, to, to Pittsburgh, but not just Pittsburgh, to campuses all over this country. Uh, and oftentimes, uh, their, their English skills are, are not quite as strong. Uh, so our church started offering free English as a second language classes uh, to that community. Uh, and what started as a, a group of 10 to 12 students uh, has grown over the past three years. Uh, currently, there are 29 different languages, or I'm sorry, 29 different countries uh, represented uh, in that English class uh, that, that these young men were, were teaching in. Uh, they also uh, teach uh, after school uh, for uh, elementary school students uh, in an underserved neighborhood in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, they work in a community garden, which is a great way to get to know our neighbors when you're uh, kneeling and weeding a row of carrots for, for three hours. You have nothing to do but to, to talk with them and, and share life with each other and get to know each other. Uh, the next two months uh, are spent overseas. Uh, the past three years, we've been partnering with the Anglican Church in Thailand. Uh, and the, the, the beautiful thing about the, the Anglican Church in Thailand is that Thailand is less than 1% Christian. Uh, so when you meet a Christian in Thailand, they are not a Christian because that's what their parents uh, were. They're not a Christian because it's culturally uh, expected of them to, to be a believer. Uh, it's the exact opposite, and it's a very costly decision for them uh, to choose to be a Christ follower there. Uh, so uh, our family, uh, along with these two uh, young men, uh, uh, traveled to Thailand from January through February, uh, and again, they were teaching English uh, to 
uh, elementary and middle school students uh, during their time there, as well as uh, sharing life with them, having uh, going out for coffee and uh, just doing sort of one-on-one -on -one discipleship uh, with, uh, with these students. And then the last uh, two months of the year is spent traveling around the country, visiting churches, and telling the story of what we've seen God doing uh, in our lives in Pittsburgh uh, and in Thailand uh, and all over the country. So with Agape Year, uh, we have uh, kind of uh, three uh, phrases that we repeat over and over and over again. Uh, and that's sort of like the, the grounding uh, drumbeat uh, for our year. And we, we talk about the story to believe in, the family to belong to, in the kingdom to build up. And so when we talk about the story to believe in, what we, what we, what we want uh, our young people to, to come to learn is that the stories that we read in scripture uh, are our story. This is the story of us. These are our people. So when we read stories about Abraham being called uh, to step out in faith, that is a story for us. That's not just for someone long ago in a land far away. That is our story. That is the life that we are called into. Uh, the family to belong to. This is you. Uh, we are not called to live uh, a life of isolation. God works through family. Uh, and he has knit together a family of believers all over the world. Uh, and so we want our young people to, to come to learn that this is their family, this is their home, here with you uh, in Pittsburgh and in Thailand, that these, these folks that worship very differently than us uh, or have a, a liturgy that's slightly different than our own, uh, that we come to view them as, as our kin, as family, and how we live together and worship together uh, reflects that. And then the kingdom to build up. Um, I had the privilege of growing up uh, in a Christian family, uh, and, and I, I always kind of joke that what I viewed my faith for was to not go to hell. Uh, that, was, that was the purpose of my Christian faith. Uh, and it really wasn't until I had matured in my, in my 20s where I, where I learned that that was not what I was called into, uh, that we are given a job. Uh, and our job is not just to, to not go to hell, uh, but we are called to be agents of Christ's redemption here on earth. And that's a much better job description than just not going to hell. Uh, so we have a kingdom to build up, and that can look like the service uh, that we do while we are in the city. Uh, it can look like sharing a meal with our neighbor. These are all elements of what it means to bring God's kingdom come here on earth. Uh, and so this has been uh, a challenging year uh, for my family. Uh, the birth of our twins uh, was... Um, uh, we'll say disruptive uh, to, uh, to our home life. Uh, it's also been a very challenging year uh, for me personally. Uh, I uh, was diagnosed many years ago with something called Crohn's disease. And Crohn's disease is a, uh, uh, an autoimmune disease that uh, has been very debilitating to me throughout my life. Um, I was in my early 20s uh, when, when I was initially diagnosed, and I, I experienced a very long period of ill health uh, where 
I couldn't leave the home for, for months uh, at a time. Uh, I lost uh, about 45 pounds uh, in a short period of time. And my world became very, very small. The things that I had thought that God had called me to do in my life uh, seemed impossible. And through years of uh, medical care and treatment, I, I was not getting any better. Uh, and uh, a friend had suggested that I, uh, he, he asked me one day if I believed in healing prayer. And, and my answer was, I believe in it, just not for me. <laughs> because I had been prayed for many, many times uh, and had not seen anything change in my life. But he asked me to come with him uh, to Christian Healing Ministries uh, and uh, to be prayed for. And I said, you know what? What do I got to lose? Uh, it'll be much warmer in Jacksonville than it is in Pittsburgh. Uh, so uh, I flew with him to Jacksonville, uh, was prayed for, woke up the next morning, and I felt just as terrible as I had on the flight down. And I said, well, that was a fun trip, nothing changed. Uh, but slowly, over time, my life started to turn around. My health was changed drastically. And I experienced a seven-year period of amazing health, health that I never thought I would ever experience in my life. It was a miracle, and there, had, there was nothing else that could be pointed to other than God's healing work in my life. Uh, this past year, uh, I started to experience symptoms of my Crohn's disease again, and it, it was a very confusing time for me. Uh, I thought that I had been healed, and to lose that uh, was very, very difficult. Uh, and it became very difficult for me to pray. I didn't know what to pray for. Um, and uh, this September, uh, we were at the New Wineskins uh, Missions Conference in Asheville, North Carolina, and got to see uh, Chris and Carrie and their family there. And it was a, a time of great encouragement for me. Um, and during uh, one of the sessions there, they were, were uh, offering uh, prayer for folks. And uh, I had gone up, and the person who prayed for me prayed that my hope would be restored. And that was, that was kind of a start of a, a process for me of reaching out for prayer. While I myself felt like I couldn't pray, I had to lean on my family, uh, the family that I'm a part of, uh, to pray for me. Uh, and so it was of great encouragement to me to know that, uh, that Chris and you all were lifting me up in prayer, lifting up our family in prayer. And this past December, uh, things turned again. My health was restored. I was able to travel to Thailand uh, with, with our team where I, I, just a few weeks before that, I, I didn't think that was going to be possible. Uh, when you have a disease that affects your digestion, uh, spending multiple weeks eating street food in Southeast Asia is generally not recommended. Uh, but what happened was miraculous. I, I walked the streets of, uh, of Thailand eating uh, whatever street meat was available and whatever uh, uh, was offered, and I experienced nothing but amazing health. And I'm here to tell you that story because it is because of your prayers uh, and the prayers of the family that we all belong to that God has restored me uh, and brought me back to this place. So God is good, and thank you 
for your prayers for me this past year. Uh, I was going to invite Nate and Christian to, to tell uh, a quick story uh, from their year uh, of how they've seen God working in their lives in Pittsburgh and in Thailand. Uh, hi, my name's Nate. Um, yeah, so I think one of the stories I'd like to share with you is actually from our time in Pittsburgh before we left for Thailand. Uh, one of the ministries we did there was called Daily Bread. Uh, this is a time where we would sit down with the homeless, and rather than just serve them, we would sit down with them and eat with them. Uh, and... Oh. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the people I met while serving at Daily Bread uh, was Michael. Um, uh, during my time at Agape Year, one of the things I struggled with a lot was honesty. I like to present myself as a very clean, clean person, someone who's honest, someone who's open, um, and I like to keep a very good self-image of myself. And oftentimes that involves stretching the truth a lot and maybe hiding some facts about myself that I don't want people to know, um, not being revealing about my doubts um, and trying to present myself as better than I actually am. Um, so that brings me back to Michael and Daily Bread. When I talked to him and I first got to know him, he was very honest with me about a lot of things. Um, he talked about how he had left his family in Florida to chase a girl in Pittsburgh, um, then immediately left the girl in Pittsburgh and just started uh, traveling around by bus because he lost interest. Um, he talked about how he bounced from girl to girl unashamedly. Um, and how he loved the lifestyle he lived. Keep in mind, he's about 60 years old, so, and he's still doing this. Um, but the fact that he was able to be completely honest and open about all these horrible things that, he's, that he was proud of and that he wasn't ashamed about. Um, he wasn't ashamed about the fact that he didn't want to work or that he was comfortable just riding the bus for miles, uh, for hours, just doing his thing. Um, and it made me realize that I liked him. And he was, because he was honest with me about all these, all these things that had I been uh, doing all those things, I wouldn't want to tell anyone about. I would want to be like, oh, well, you know, I do these things because of this and this and this. And not just be open and say, yeah, I do those things. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> and it, made, it really challenged me to be more honest and open when I'm interacting with people. Um, sharing my doubts and sharing um, when I'm confused and when I'm afraid. Um, there are many points in my life where I was not um, happy, where I was not 100%. Um, there were, I mean, I've been severely depressed in my life and I've lost a lot of faith uh, at many points. Um, but I think being on Agape Year has helped me to has really helped me to be more open and honest about that, um, and to not let that hinder me in my life, and not try to hide that part of myself. And I think that's one of the most important things about Agape Year um, is it helps you be yourself um, and open and honest, where you can expose your full self to people and. 
that has been truly transformative for me. Um, being able to show not just 10% and because I was afraid that the other 90% uh, wouldn't be loved by other people. But to get, be able to say, hey, here's 100% of me and get that love has really been amazing for me. So I'm really grateful to have, to have done a cafe year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my name is Christian, and I've also been doing all of this. And it's, yeah, it's been incredible. Um, oh, gosh. You know when you, okay, so this is, this is my inner monologue right now. It's like I'm sitting up here, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm listening to everything that's going on. I'm listening to the reading, to the psalm, and, and I have all of these things that I want to say. And then that thing gets bigger. And I think of more things, and I think of more stories, and I'm like, oh, I could tie this in here, and all these things. And I'm just trying to connect all these dots that weren't meant to be connected. I feel like that's a really good, um, really good picture of what this year has been like for me, because I, <sighs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step back. I'm gonna quit this. So you guys are incredible. This, this church, the Anglican Church in general. Although sometimes there's spats. It's a very well-oiled machine. You come in, we have the liturgy. You know when something's going to happen. You know where it's going to take place. You know what you're going to say, for the most part. Um, even when we were in Thailand, there was a liturgy, and it was beautiful. That was actually one of the most incredible experiences during this time, was being able to experience that, the way that the Thai church, the way that they were leading it, listening to those things, in Thai was just incredible. Um, my life, on the other hand, has never been a well-oiled machine. Um, so I am the oldest child in my family. I have two younger sisters, and my parents split when I was just about to go into middle school, roughly. Um, but right before that, my parents decided to start homeschooling us. So it was a bunch of chain all at once. And what happened is that all of us in my immediate family kind of got fractured. It was like all the cogs in this well-oiled machine broke, but they broke in a way that they still worked together somehow. What happened when I started Agape Year is that my broken cog self got put in another broken machine which is just life, right? Like everybody's family, everybody's circle, there's brokenness there that just doesn't quite fit, but it somehow works. But that's where I was placed. I was placed in this situation with this wonderful young man and this more wonderful, slightly less <laughs> young man. Um, and it was just so challenging because all the things that I wanted to fall back on, all of the hurdles that I had gotten used to jumping through weren't there anymore, but then other ones were, and so I would like jump too early or jump too late. I tripped a lot. Um, <laughs> but just this idea of having a family to belong to, not because you're broken in a way where this is the only place that you can fit in, but having a place where you actually belong, having a church where you actually belong, having people who you've never met before, you've had one phone call with, and yet somehow you walk in and 
There's somebody waiting by the door for you. There's a mother, a wife, sitting behind a kitchen island, kids running all over the kitchen, and she stops everything she's doing when you walk in to walk over and give you a hug, like she's known me her entire life. Um, and that has been life-changing for me because that's something that I never thought I deserved because when I looked in the mirror, everybody else who saw me saw this well-oiled machine in my family and how I operated. But when I saw myself, I just saw the brokenness. I just saw how I couldn't fit in anywhere else. But being here, being an agape year, I've realized that that doesn't matter because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how I see myself. It doesn't matter where I think I should be because God called me here. God led me to this program. And through this program, he's showed me that really to the extent that in my weakness and brokenness, he is stronger. He can provide. In my shortcomings, he is perfectly adequate. In everything that I feel about myself that isn't good enough. He's there to pick me back up. I <laughs> remember when we were actually leaving New Wineskins, um, I think everybody, even, even the younger, even the younger Twitchell chillins were um, having a, a like conference high, right? Because there's just very high energy worship services. Like, it was just incredible. So we're in, the, we're in this van driving back, Kid, where it started, but the kids just one by one started having, you know, you're on, a, you're on a road trip. Kids don't like being stuck in like an elevator for what five hours, something <laughs> like that. But we're listening to this CD that they picked up at New Wineskins, and one kid starts crying. I think it was one of the twins, and Erica comes into the back and she's trying to take care of the kids, and then Annie and Henry are still singing the song, but one of them is fighting because the other one's singing louder, and that was my lyric, and, and then Nathan's just in the front, driving, and I just remember this picture so clearly of him throwing his hands up, because that's what the song asks you to do, he asks you to dance for the Lord, and he just throws his hands up while driving, and starts doing one of these while he's driving, and he's like, yeah, come on, Henry, come on, Andy, you gotta dance for, and just that joy that he brought into this vehicle when there was just chaos. That, that pure joy and that peace that came with that joy, where even though the situation is slowly falling apart, that God is still there and he's working so powerfully through the joy and the love and the intentionality that Nathan and Erica have brought into this program. It's reassured me that once this is all over, I can, I can be okay, that I can lean on the Lord and that he will just bring me from one situation to the next, to the next, and even when it all seems to be falling apart, that he is in control, that he does have his hand over it. We were listening to the reading of Abraham being called out of, out of his life. He was 70-something, which I don't know. I, to me, that sounds like he was like at the peak, at the pinnacle of what he could achieve with the resources that he had been born into. 
And then God was like, all right, you got to go. You got to go do this other thing. I have better things for you. And he just goes. And what's significant to me about that isn't, well, it is the fact that he left, but it's also the fact that on his way, as he's going, he builds altar after altar after altar to the Lord. And every single time he does this, the Lord honors him back and reminds him of the promise that he made to him. And that's just so inspiring with everything that has been going on here because I feel like every time that's been challenged, every time my faith has been challenged, I just look in the mirror instead of at God. I look in the mirror and see my brokenness instead of at God and see his faithfulness. And that's really what this gap year has taught me to be better at, is looking at God whenever I'm challenged. Amen. Uh, so thank you all. Um, the, the, the last thing I would, would ask of you uh, is to continue praying for us, uh, in, to remember uh, Agape Year in your prayers and our family, uh, and also to remember the, the family that you are a part of. It's very easy to become uh, kind of wrapped up in our own little uh, cocoon of, of ministry, uh, but we get this great gift of traveling around the country and seeing these other churches and seeing the church overseas. So you have family in Thailand uh, that worshipped about 12 hours ago. So they, they got things primed uh, for us. They primed the pump uh, in worship. Uh, but to remember the, the church in Thailand, that they are small, uh, but they, they desire your prayers uh, for strength, uh, and for courage as they proclaim the gospel boldly uh, in a place that is uh, hostile to that faith. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for welcoming us here today. Uh, and thank you, Chris, for allowing us to share. Um, I want to take a moment to pray for, for all three of these. So if, if you all would just extend a hand towards them, um, and we will uh, join in prayer for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these three men. We thank you for the work that you've done in their lives over this past year and for the work that you are continuing to do. We thank you for the things that they have seen and for their ability to share that and communicate that with the church today and with other churches um, around North America. And so we pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit anew, that you would especially watch over Nathan and Christian as they trans transition back into their um, their home lives and, and the things that are coming next, that you would help them to treasure these things that they've learned and seen in their hearts and that you'd help them to continue to grow in their discipleship. We also pray for the Twitchell family that you would help them um, in all the things that they do. We pray for sustained health for Nate and um, thank you for the, the healing that you've brought again in his life this year. Um, we also pray for, uh, for their whole family, for each of their children, that you'd help them to grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord, that you'd strengthen their marriage that you watch over them in all that they do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.